Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free. Or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hello and welcome to Free Exchange. I'm Oliver Wiseman. And if you're listening to this after Wednesday, the 3rd of July, I'm the former editor of CapEx. The guest for my final episode as host of this podcast is arguably one of the world's most influential public intellectuals. Steven Pinker is professor of psychology at Harvard and the author of bestsellers that include The Better Angels of Our Nature, The Blank Slate, and most recently, Enlightenment Now. Published last year, Enlightenment Now makes the case for reason, science, humanism, and progress. Its message echoes a big part of what we tried to do here at CapEx, and that's offering a counterbalance to the pessimism and declinism that dominates too much of our politics. In the book, Professor Pinker meticulously charts the many ways in which life has got a lot better over the last few hundred years. If that's a project that sounds fairly uncontroversial, Enlightenment Now has provoked some surprisingly strong reactions. I sat down with Professor Pinker to talk about his latest book, the response to it, and what he thinks the biggest threats are to the Enlightenment values that have proved so crucial to human progress. So I wanted to start by asking you about how you kind of found this project that I think is a sort of two-book project, at least so far, in Better Angels and Enlightenment Now, in terms of explaining the data that shows that the world isn't quite as terrible as we maybe think it is. I mean, is this something you had always thought, or, or, or were you kind of pessimistic until you stumbled across some, some numbers about something? It's a, uh, it, it, admittedly, it was a circuitous path from a guy who once wrote a book on irregular verbs. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, and in fact, my uh, paper trail, if anything, would be one that would point toward a rather pessimistic, dark outlook on the human condition, which is uh, which I sometimes remind people of when they uh, typecast me as a, as a, a temperamental op- optimist. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> I wrote a book called The Blank Slate, The Modern Denial of Human Nature, arguing that human beings are not blank slates, that we come equipped, uh, thanks to evolution, with a number of um, not-so-pleasant motives and drives, like revenge, like dominance. Uh, we have a capacity for, for sadism, we, for uh, nepotism, for magical thinking, demonization, tribalism. Uh, the uh, uh, human uh, Homo sapiens is a nasty business, so I argued in uh, uh, The Blank Slate. That itself, uh, that book itself came from an um, experience in trying to explain the human mind, um, although I have studied, uh, although I have concentrated on language, I am a cognitive uh, psychologist. I'm interested in all aspects of how the mind works. And I wrote a book called How the Mind Works, uh, trying to explain uh, how we see, how we remember, why we have some emotions, why we have certain social connections. To my surprise, much of the 
a negative reaction to how the mind works came from the very idea that there is such a thing as human nature because there is uh, emotional and political and moral baggage surrounding the concept of human nature and uh, a kind of progressive current that likes to deny that human nature exists because then it is easier to uh, design an ideal society Mm. on a blank sheet of paper if humans themselves are blank sheets of paper and their traits come from uh, parental upbringing, cultural messages, socialization. Well, just change the social programming. You change the human being. uh, You design the society you want. Uh, An acknowledgement of human nature, it would seem, uh, in this way of looking at things, would be reactionary, it would say, oh, you can't change human nature, so we'll never have the society that, uh, that, that, that ideally we would want if we could design it from the ground up. Mm-hmm. So there has been historically something of an alignment between uh, uh, innatist views of human nature and more conservative politics. Mm. Uh, I wrote the blank slate to try to um, uh, dive into that um, that, that pool of, of uh, ideas and to separate the empirical or scientific question of what makes us tick from the moral, political, and um, uh, uh, emotional baggage, arguing that um, even if we are equipped with some rather unsavory traits, human nature is complex and uh, there are other parts of human nature that can um, lead us to improve our lot. There's uh, emotional faculties like uh, empathy. There's a capacity of self-control, so we don't act on all of our ugly impulses. We are um, cognitive creatures who figure out how the world works and solve problems. We have language, uh, so we can share our uh, discoveries and our insights and our uh, possible solutions. Uh, And I noted almost as in, in passing in the book, The Blank Slate, that uh, there can't really be a debate as to whether we're incapable of changing society because we know we have changed society, often from the better. Slavery was abolished. The Soviet empire collapsed with very little violence. Uh, uh, There were data suggesting that tribal societies were much more violent than modern societies. And when I reiterated those comments on a, a blog post responding to the question, what are you optimistic about? I started to receive correspondence from experts in a number of uh, fields of history, political science, sociology, economics, saying you could have added examples of historical declines of violence. Uh, They said, "Did, did you know that rates of death in war have come down since 1946 by a lot? Did you know that every European country for which we have data has shown a dramatic decline in homicide since the Middle Ages? Uh, Did you know that rates of of rape and sexual assault are down and rates of child abuse? And uh, getting these uh, uh, data sent to me from independent uh, researchers uh, shocked me. Um, I had not realized that the the news was that good. It led me to uh, believe that this should be more widely known because it is a picture of the the, – historical trajectory of the, the world that you cannot get from journalism, because journalism, uh, by concentrating on all the things that go wrong, is uh, oblivious to the rate at which things go wrong, because it doesn't cover the things that go right. The cliche in journalism is we cover the plane crashes, not the planes that take off. 
Um, so I realized that there was a need simply to make these data sets available to a wider uh, population and to take on the challenge as a psychologist to try to explain them. What is it that leads people to be violent in the first place and uh, what resources did evolution give us to try to um, uh, control that violence? So that was The Better Angels of Our Nature. Mm-hmm. Uh, I took a detour back to language and I wrote a um, style manual, The Sense of Style, informed by modern linguistics and cognitive science. But then I uh, went back to the theme of human progress, when, again, I had an epiphany that this did not come from any uh, um, optimistic temperament, uh, that it wasn't just in violence where the world had shown progress, but in almost every measure of human flourishing, uh, that poverty had uh, plummeted, um, uh, disease uh, had, had plummeted, illiteracy had plummeted, uh, human lifespan had increased, famines were becoming rarer. And uh, when I became uh, aware of these other uh, documented uh, instances of human progress, I realized that needed a book. Uh, Again, both to make people aware of uh, major developments in human history that most people are utterly ignorant of, and to do my best to explain it, which I did in terms of a defense of uh, ideas that I thought were uh, historically um, uh, instrumental in propelling this progress, namely reason, science, and, and humanism. And these are the core of the values of the Enlightenment. That, that exactly. Yeah. So I, you, I, I chose the uh, Enlightenment now as the title because that was a, uh, uh, a well-known rubric for this, this um, quartet of ideas, if you include progress. Uh, it was not, as some people thought, a... Uh, a, a defense of uh, a bunch of guys who wrote in the second half of the 18th century, mm-hmm. although in, in some cases it was, but it yep. was uh, it would be contrary to the ideals of the Enlightenment to say, let's go back to these sages and do exegesis on what they wrote and, and show that they uh, had it all figured out 250 years ago. Mm-hmm. That defeats the whole purpose of reason and science, which constantly seeks uh, to test its ideas, to update its ideas, to... Uh, falsify ideas that are that are false, but that was that was a major misunderstanding of the point of the book. Hmm. And I mean, at least to me, um, pointing out, as you say, in a very sort of data heavy way, pointing out the um, progress humanity's made and and attributing some of that progress to these very widely, you know, regarded, you know, well regarded values of the Enlightenment is a sort of. Uh, it sort of sounds uncontroversial in a way. It sort of sounds like it shouldn't. It should be. You would think, uh, but uh, as 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 the tone of your voice implies, <laughs> there's a sort of bit of a, a backlash to to the book. Um, and I'm interested in what you think explains that backlash. Yeah, some of it is uh, comes from systematic misconceptions that uh, uh, are are driven by an interaction between the nature of cognition and the nature of journalism. The feature of cognition that um, I think warps our view of the world is uh, sometimes called the availability heuristic or the mm-hmm. availability bias, namely that we, um, uh, in, in assessing how prevalent something is, we um, rack our brain for instances, for narratives, for images, for anecdotes. And uh, if we uh, read about a terrorist attack that morning, we think that terrorism must be on the rise or it's a major threat to life and limb. Uh, if we read of a shark attack, we don't go into the water. And that's what 
that's what newspapers give us and or web, web journalistic websites. Mm-hmm. It's all our uh, fault, basically. Pardon? It's all the journalists' fault. It's, it's partly the journalists <laughs> and the intellectuals' fault because uh, off surprising number of uh, historians uh, and um, political scientists will weave narratives out of uh, case studies without asking the question of how representative they are, how prevalent they are, uh, what whether there's been a historical trajectory in one direction or another. Uh, there's a lot of resistance to the use of data by historians, um, even though... Uh, you can't use the words better or worse or more or less uh, without um, uh, at least implicitly alluding to data. Those are Mm -hmm. inherently quantitative claims. And if you just make them based on examples, you are a victim of this uh, this cognitive fallacy. Uh, So part of the opposition just comes from incredulity driven by a distorted view of the world from journalism. Uh, The... uh, and, and I've argued separately that this should lead to a more um, quantitatively sophisticated form of journalism, where I think that the news should borrow uh, a, a, um, a leaf from the, the page of the sports section and the business section, and for that matter, the, the weather, which reports the indicators whichever way they go, up, down, or no change, mm-hmm. uh, systematically every single day, mm-hmm. uh, whereas the news only reports spectacular things that go wrong. Mm-hmm. It'd be like having sports coverage only when your team gets trounced. <laughs> uh, but there, there's also – that's not the only source of, of uh, incredulity and opposition. There's also uh, a political um, uh, motive to deny progress. Namely, if you are a major critic of uh, the current establishment, the status quo, uh, rhetorically it is convenient to say that things are deteriorating and then you – blame the deterioration on whatever your particular uh, demon is. And to say that things have gone better is uh, to concede that not everything in the current institutions is uh, corrupt and rotten and, and moribund. And so uh, it ties into people's uh, political crusades. Yeah, And that presumably you would, is on sort of both ends of the spectrum. I mean, that's... Yes, and at both ends of the spectrum because there is a, um, a kind of a, there's a left-wing critique that um, modern uh, capitalism is the, uh, the the root of all problems uh, on the right. There is a, uh, a kind of a reactionary theoconservatism that blames the abandonment of uh, church and faith and, um, uh, and God and sometimes monarchy um, and that, uh, <laughs> that, that we'd be better off with a, a uh, with with a, a kind of theocracy thrown an altar mm-hmm. as a way of giving us a uh, moral system that is bigger than any one of us, and that the West's um, uh, turn toward individualism, freedom, um, secular morality was a, a big mistake. And to, to point out that, well, actually, when people really were believers, we had the, the wars of religion and the Inquisition and the uh, Crusades, uh, complicates that narrative. And is uh, is part of it purely psychological, though? I mean, is there a is there an element of human nature which is just that, kind of, for evolutionary reasons, we're are we are we kind of hardwired to think things are worse than they are because you know you're trying to avoid dying in evolutionary terms. So you know you're you're looking out for threats. You're not looking out for opportunities. Yes, there is a negativity bias in uh, human psychology, which is pretty well documented. That basically any negatively charged. Uh, emotion or event is psychologically more mm-hmm. powerful than its positive counterpart. There are more words for negative emotions than for positive emotions. People uh, 
remember recent negative events more than positive events. Uh, the um, and 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 I think you're right in that ultimately that can be explained by the fact there really are more things that can go wrong than can go right, and the things that can go wrong can do you a lot more harm than the things that can go right can help you, and so it does uh, stand to reason that our um, our, our, our sense of vigilance and fear would be tuned to what goes wrong. And if there are historical changes, historical improvements that are measured out over um, decades or even centuries, we're ill-equipped to appreciate them. Hmm. And, and then I guess there's a, sort of, there's a sort of vaguer criticism out there about tone, which is that, yes, things have got better and, and you know, without disputing any of the data um, – that didn't happen by just people sitting back in their chairs and saying things are getting better, but it got it, 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 we, so we got here by people, you know, being very worried about how bad things were and, and trying to make them better. So, you know, what's your response to that kind of category of? Criticism? Yes, well, it's it's uh, there. There is. Um, uh, I, I certainly would not make the uh, lunatic argument that we should ignore problems. Quite the contrary, yep. it's only when you recognize problems that you should solve them. But our uh, understanding of the world should be one that is as accurate as possible, that there is no benefit to saying that, to believing that um, things have gotten worse, that in reality have gotten better. Uh, of course, there are always problems. We always have to be aware of them. But there is no advantage whatsoever to being deluded about the uh, the course of history. Mm-hmm. And at the same time that there has to be a... Um, a fear, a concern of genuine threats. There also has to be an appreciation of uh, the human ability to solve problems. Otherwise, the rational response would be uh, fatalism. That is, why even bother trying to improve things? You can't change human nature. You can't, uh, uh, the poor will always be with you. Uh, and there can be an enervating um, uh, uh, fatalism and inaction mm. uh, if one has a view of reality that does not acknowledge the fact that that uh, problems have been solved in the mm. past. And I think this is why you, you say you prefer describing things as a, rather than optimism, you prefer, is it possibilism? or is it, is uh, A term that I, uh, uh, that I uh, lifted from uh, Hans Rosling. Yes, exactly. And another term that he invented, and I, I, I envy his wordsmithing abilities, is uh, the, the title of his posthumous book with uh, Ola Rosling and Anna um, Rosamund, um, Factfulness. Yes, yeah. That it's not a question of optimism, it's a question that because whether uh, poverty has increased or decreased, war deaths have increased or decreased, it's not a matter of seeing the glasses half full. It's a matter of being aware of facts, which mm-hmm. we know that most people are unaware of. People yeah. systematically get the wrong answers, give the wrong answers to questions like, uh, has poverty been increasing or decreasing? Yeah, I, I love that evidence of people sort of so caught up in their own um, political sort of presumptions about all of this. That I think it's is it David Graeber, the um, I think he's an anarchist kind of anthropologist or something. I, I, you quote a tweet from him in, in your book where oh, yeah. he, he basically says something like, "I've seen all this data out there pushing a neoliberal agenda about how the world is getting better, and like there's not much out there to counter it. Can anyone kind of help me find <laughs> that data? Please, please help me show that they, that, <laughs> yeah. that it can't. That but the it news just, can't it be turns as good out as that. It doesn't yeah. exist. You know, there is. Yeah, yeah precisely. Um, and so, so as you said, this is not uh, you know marking the progress we have made is not the same thing as glibly dismissing problems or um, denying their existence or anything. So, you know, when we look at the big problems out there, you know, which ones are you worried about? Which ones do you think some of the more alarmist um, um, headlines maybe are, are more justified than, than, than other problems? 
Uh, certainly climate change would top the list. Uh, you know, there's, there's excellent reason to believe that we're uh, um, taking enormous risks with uh, climate because of the emission of greenhouse gases. Um, the threat of nuclear war ought to be taken seriously, not because I think it's particularly uh, likely, but because um, it's certainly not infinitesimally unlikely and mm-hmm. the uh, damage could be so catastrophic. Uh, more prosaically, um, uh, the pop- possibility of secular stagnation of the economy, of, mm-hmm. of a slowing down of economic growth mm-hmm. for a number of reasons is something to be concerned of. And I, I think the growth of um, authoritarian populism, uh, which in many ways is the uh, answer to the question, what's the opposite of uh, enlightenment ideals? Mm. Uh, author- authoritarian populism is... Um, uh, um, derives its morality from tribalism, from religious faith, from uh, uh, obedience to authority. It uh, is deeply um, uh, opposed to the possibility of progress by seeking to wrench society backwards to some, um, in fact, non-existent golden age. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's uh, hostile to institutions of uh, of enlightenment, such as liberal democracy, such as uh, free trade, such as organizations for international cooperation. Uh, and so the rise of authoritarian popul- populism in the, the nearer term is, uh, I, I think, a, a, a genuine threat. But on, but on these things, I mean, cli- to take climate change, for example, you, you, you're, again, optimistic is a, is a, is a bad word, but you're, um, you sort of believe in our ability to, these are problems that can be solved. This is not like a apocalyptic event that is um well i i, I wouldn't I, I wouldn't engage in that prophecy that mm-hmm. is that we will solve it because i don't know whether we'll solve it and there are right. a lot of reasons i think we may not the question is can we solve it and uh, given that what happens in 30 years depends entirely on what we do now uh it's uh i think uh futile to try to predict what will happen in 30 years mm-hmm. but one can uh say of the choices facing us now what uh, ought we to do and, uh, and and I do argue for a combination of uh, – first of all, I argue against some of the popular uh, responses to, to climate change, such as we've got to uh, undo capitalism, we've got to reverse the industrial revolution, we've got to go back to a simpler, more sustainable um, lifestyle. I, I do believe that, that there is um, no turning back from our d- demand for energy. And the challenge is how do we get the energy that we – and by we, I mean humanity, not the West, because the rest of the world is going to demand uh, abundant energy. And so any solution to climate change is going to have to um, accommodate the desire of China and Indi- India and Indonesia for, for uh, the energy that we currently enjoy. Um, so um, uh, I argue against a number of uh, responses that are not solutions to the problem of climate change. I argue that we should look toward decarbonizing the world economy as rapidly as possible. And I suggest a combination of uh, policy, like carbon pricing in particular, and technology, such as the implementation of uh, zero carbon energies that we have now, such as um, uh, light water reactors, and the investment in um, even better zero-carbon technologies in the future, perhaps small modular reactors or other fourth-generation nuclear technologies, carbon capture and storage, smart grids, um, probably. Uh, and since we can't predict now what the 
most scalable forms of zero carbon energy are going to be. Maybe it'll be solar and, uh, and wind with storage. I doubt it. But if it is, we should find out and pursue uh, the uh, solution as uh, uh, expeditiously as possible. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Let's talk about the enlightenment values that you, uh, that, that, that you certainly attribute some of this progress to, or a lot of this progress to. Um, where do you see the threats to those values in 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 uh, you know modern society, where do you see that coming? Those threats yeah. coming from? Uh, from uh, well, we've already talked about authoritarian populism. Mm-hmm. Uh, certainly, the uh, uh, and quite this. This is not just um, philosophical speculation or or uh, the intellectual uh, brain trust behind authoritarian populism, which which does exist. It's not an oxymoron. They um, credit. Uh, uh, explicitly anti-enlightenment uh, uh, thinkers for their inspiration. Nietzsche and mm-hmm. uh, Heidegger and various uh, uh, Evola, various uh, fascist crackpots of the uh, early decades of the 20th century, mm-hmm. and they make no bones about them. Those are their yeah. intellectual interests, I- influences. Uh, so in, uh, authoritarian populism, um, religious moralities... One's a religious uh, a theoconservatism, as Damon Linker has called it, the idea that we have, that our politics ought to be oriented around uh, religious values and give authority to um, to, to religious thinkers, uh, to uh, Marxism and its versions of the, the forms of um, uh, socialism that have become popular in the American political mm-hmm. scene, and, and on those, but on those threats, I mean, people would say historically those. Threats don't crop up unless something economically and socially is 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 going wrong somewhere. So you know that that the, isn't the rise of populism, the rise of you know far left um, politics and so on. Is that not in itself sort of evidence that um, this the status quo? You know, people aren't progressing in the way. Mm-hmm. That they well, like yes, yeah, so I think there's there's something to that, and the, I, I consider a uh, central idea to this whole. Uh, uh, enterprise to, to diagnose current problems and to uh, uh, ceaselessly try to solve them. Uh, and, and, and indeed, because technology changes, always changes, institutions um, change more slowly than technology, so they have to, to catch up. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are demographic changes, there are um, uh, uh, political changes, ideas can themselves be causal influences. Uh, and so the, it's a uh, the enlightenment project, if you want to call it that, involves 
constant recognition of problems. One of the ones that uh, is facing us now is uh, clearly the, the effects of globalization, that even though um, on the whole it has been a huge benefit to humanity, nothing benefits everyone to the same extent. Mm-hmm. And uh, areas of deindustrialization in the United States, for example, have, have been suffering. And uh, we... Uh, the our, our current institutions ought to figure out how to make sure their lives just don't don't get worse and worse. Uh, even if, on the whole, globalization has been good, you know, nothing's good for everyone. Um, you know, likewise, the um, uh, pileup of uh, student indebtedness, especially mm-hmm. in the United States, is a problem that we haven't yet figured out how to solve. The the, the uh, threat of um, job replacement by uh, by a uh, uh, robots and artificial intelligence, uh, and even the vulnerabilities in human nature to mm. um, certain kinds of, um, of demagogues, both um, socialists and populists, that may, they may always be the threat that they can capitalize on vulnerabilities in human nature. Our susceptibility to charismatic leaders, our uh, tendency to blame problems, which there always will be, will exist on uh, evil people. So even if they're, uh, this is, while not disagreeing with your premise mm-hmm. that the rise of these alternatives suggests that there are unsolved problems, even if there aren't unsolved problems, there are vulnerabilities in mm-hmm. human nature which, which would need to be countered, where the, the advantages uh, would need to be stated in language that is compelling to uh, new generations. And what about, you know, what about the places that are supposed to be the places like this, like Harvard, that's supposed to be the sort of vanguard of Enlightenment values? Um, you know, maybe there's a caricature out there, but there is an idea that um, identity politics and sort of the politics of free speech and so on mean that um, these aren't places where the search for um, uh, truth and so on is quite as sort of full-blooded as it once was. And, and, and so therefore you're sort of, you're, you've messed with the formula that has delivered all this. All this yeah, no, I think that, that that's an, I would, I would agree that that is another threat to, um, to, to, uh, uh, carrying on the, the Enlightenment project, if uh, the institutions that, in theory, ought to be uh, specialized to to uh, advance the, those ideas are are uh, corroded by uh, kind of intellectual tribalism and demonization. So, yeah, I think that's a severe problem, not only in um, pursuing uh, disinterested inquiry into questions like what, in fact, reduces crime, what, in fact, mm-hmm. increases prosperity. Uh, but also in sapping the credibility of the academy as an institution, and I, uh, I often get um, kind of skepticism even about matters that are a matter of, of uh, scientific near consensus, like uh, anthropogenic climate change, mm-hmm. based on the um, cynicism that uh, academia is so infected with political correctness that we shouldn't trust anything that comes out of a university. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think in the case of climate change, the, the, the scientific arguments speak for themselves. But still, we do have to secure the credibility of the academy by not surrendering to um, you know, illiberal antics of... Uh, of uh, I don't want to blame it just on students because they are enabled by university administrations themselves. Uh, uh, okay, let's, let's, I'll ask one, one question, uh, final question. Um, do, you published Enlightenment Now last year. Um, the paperback is out. They're all available in all good bookshops. Yes. Um, do you 
think the message is getting through? I mean, that that not just your work, but the broader project that you and others do in terms of sort of ex- like Hans Rosling is a good example of another person doing something similar of explaining the sort of progress that that's been made. Do you think that the intellectual climate is changing at all or, or are you pushing back against the yeah, wave too, of um, pessimism that you're never going to too too soon to tell i, mm-hmm. I think because it, it has just been a, a, a year and uh, um so i uh, the best i can say is that there are there are uh, currents that are in the direction that i would like to see go uh despite the uh often the demonization of millennials and uh, gen zeds uh, I see a lot of support among students for free speech, open inquiry, um, uh, pursuit of solutions. Uh, how strong that is is not easy to, to gauge, mm-hmm. but, but it certainly exists. I've gotten a lot of support from um, uh, political leaders uh, who've uh, met with me, not so much that because I have policy advice, which I don't, but just to... Uh, reinforce and ratify the idea that institutions of liberal democracy are worth defending. Which ones can I ask? Which, which I've met with, um, I've met with Justin Trudeau. I met with, uh, I, I conferred with, um, Michael Bloomberg. I've met with, um, uh, Mauricio Macri of Argentina, I met with, uh, Carlos, uh, with, um, uh, Vicente Fox, mm-hmm. uh, f- former president of Mexico. Uh, I've, uh, I met with, um, uh, Obama's speechwriters uh, when when he was still president. Mm-hmm. I, I did meet Obama himself, but I take no credit there because I was a trailing spouse. My wife, <laughs> Rebecca Goldstein, was awarded the National Medal of the Humanities at the White House. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you were there as a, a as proud a, husband. I was there as a proud husband, but I did, I did get to, uh, to, to meet the president and told him about our, our uh, common connection in his, in his uh, speechwriters. Uh, and his speechwriters actually did contact me toward the end of his presidency to fact-check some claims he was making about uh, democracy and economic growth. So the message is, so you think, slowly but surely it's... Well, I... Uh, oh, you don't want, you don't want to say. You want to... I, I don't, don't want a prophecy, but, yeah. uh, but I, I do think it's important to, to get it out there, to provide, uh, and, and to try to uh, inject some, uh, um, some passion uh, toward the institutions of, uh, of enlightenment that are very easy to take for granted because they're, they're there. They're there to be blamed for everything that goes wrong. Uh, they don't tend not to attract charismatic uh, leaders and slogans and uh, rallies. Uh, there was a time in which there was a great enthusiasm when, when the United Nations was a prestigious uh, mm. organization, when... Uh, uh, democracy was an ideal that would lead people's eyes to tear up. Uh, I'm not the person to uh, uh, to kind of gin up that kind of emotional support, but I would like to see more uh, uh, more more uh, emotion and passion behind ideas that we have reason to believe work. Stephen Pinker, thanks a lot. Thank you. That was Stephen Pinker. Thanks for listening. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.